We're under the microscope this evening for the second part of our conversation with the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition. This on the back of the budget vote speech uh, delivered by the uh, Minister uh, yesterday uh, before Parliament. And uh, yesterday we touched on a few issues, uh, including localization and um, import substitution. And of course, uh, certainly uh, the government doesn't call it that, um, but it uh, certainly is that. Uh, and uh, also uh, the um, just energy transition and inclusive transition at that. Uh, and of course, many of the other issues related to expanding the industrial profile of our country and effectively reindustrializing its economy. The minister joins me now for the second part of our conversation. Minister Patel, good evening to you and welcome. Uh, good evening, Ayabonga, to you, to all the listeners. I hope you're well. Yeah, very well. And thank you so much uh, for agreeing to uh, speak to us once again this evening. I want us maybe to, to kick things off uh, where we had uh, been talking yesterday. Um, and I think it's a, it's a very interesting point to kick things off for, for some who might not have heard our conversation, which is, you know, the department has been arguing that even the nature and the character of the kind of economic growth that we've had in South Africa is very import intensive and that um, you know leads to all manner of challenges least of all our own re uh, our own deindustrialization and um, potentially maybe balance of payment challenges as well talk, talk to us about how um, having identified that particular challenge of the propensity for imports uh, and the import intensity of our consumption uh, how south africa is trying i guess to to turn the tables on that uh, and effectively try and uh, capture uh, some production uh, back in key value chains? So, Ayabunga, it starts off with uh, uh, an absolute clarity of vision that, that we must have as South Africans. Uh, it can't be a government uh, uh, program. It's got to be an all-of-society program. Mm. So we've reached out to the private sector, and um, many, many companies have seen the value of this. Last year, during the COVID lockdown, we had to close factories, not because of government restrictions, but because they were unable to get components from elsewhere in the world. So many businesses see the, the economic uh, um, uh, storyline and the commercial benefits of localizing. We've done some, some real successes. We, we produced 10 billion rands worth of COVID products last year, ranging from your ventilators to your face masks mm. and hand sanitizers and so on. Now we're moving more ambitiously, using that goodwill and that sense of uh, a South African can-do attitude to, to tackle more food production in the country and to take on a range of consumer goods and equipment and uh, the, the various components we need in our infrastructure program. And we're doing this by getting a partnership going. It's a partnership at the level of the factory with the workers and the, uh, the managers, but it's also between government and the private sector. Mm. I'll give you the example of uh, uh, our commitment that we've secured when PepsiCo, who owns the Simba Chips factories, when they bought uh, uh, Pioneer Foods, uh, we sat down with them and said, uh, how can you as a global company expand production here in South Africa. We don't want you only to buy factories here, but to expand them. Mm. And so they've now undertaken a whole range of things from potatoes that go into the chips uh, things to the edible oil that they fry the stuff in, to the raisins that are used, uh, various grains uh, and uh, fruit juices and so on. There's a range of areas like that. So it's about localizing things, creating jobs here, 
giving young people opportunities. That's really what the localization drive is about. And, and, and when you look at that, uh, I guess in the context uh, of the partnerships that you mentioned, we certainly have seen, uh, you know, employee share ownership plans announced by a few uh, multinationals as well. Uh, we've seen considerable amount of commitments in the automotive sector as well. Um, and and uh, big question marks, of course, around uh, whether or not those signal a departure from a very narrow type of BE that uh, or very narrow type of framing of transformation that we've seen uh, uh, in the early period of our democratic era? Uh, it does. It does, Ayabonga. Uh, our, our goal is to create a stronger economy and a fairer economy. And those two are linked to each other because when many South Africans feel that the economy is fair, they're going to put in that extra bit of effort to grow their businesses, their firms, to, to uh, ensure that we, we are able to be cutting edge globally. So what we do in, in trying to develop a fairer economy, uh, BEE is necessary, but there's a, a big criticism and a valid criticism that many people in the community have, that BEE benefits don't always reach communities, and that uh, very often it's a small number of benefits. So we've d- done more work to ensure that we have many more black industrialists. We now have 800 black industrialists that we've supported in the last um, uh, while with some 32 billion rand of funding or loans or other support. But we must open up a new frontier. And this is where the worker ownership issue comes in. Mm. Uh, It's really about uh, getting workers in their own workplaces, the firms that they work for, uh, that those firms need to ensure that workers have a stake uh, of the, the shares in the company that's accompanied by uh, workers being able uh, to to have uh, uh, to elect directors uh, who can be on the company board so that the long-term strategic direction of the company can be influenced and and that combination of worker ownership plus some say in decision making is what uh, what we're calling the new frontier of empowerment one that already has seen 230,000 South Africans who currently are, mm. uh, uh, um, uh, uh, who have uh, ownership of shares in the firms that they work for. And we think that that number can go up quite significantly if we work together. Now, I think I should, should make the point that societies that have been devastated by big crises, Germany after the Second World War, Japan after the Second World War, had to do things differently. They couldn't do it in the old ways. So Germany introduced a co-determination model where every large German company has worker representatives on their, on their supervisory boards. In Japan, they mm-hmm. developed a system of lifelong uh, employment uh, coupled with strong training for workers. In, um, in different parts of the world, there's been a uh, resort to worker ownership schemes. They're called ESOPs in many cases, yes. uh, employee share ownership programs. And we're developing a South African version of it. And that's really what, um, mm. uh, what uh, the budget speech was about yesterday. So we're going to be making amendments to the 
companies uh, act. So, so maybe, Minister, let's, would, do this. let's do this. I want us to pause before that one because uh, that's a very interesting one and for many uh, quite a contentious one. So I want us to mm. pause and take the spot break now and uh, we'll come back to some of the amendments uh, to the Companies Act, uh, which, of course, call for much greater transparency on pay and uh, disclosure of pay, least of all at the top of the income distribution. And we'll come back to that theme with Minister Patel after this brief break. The season of living land pays special emphasis on the next generation and their role in agriculture, rural development and food security. Now, living land is aimed at bringing the youth back into agriculture. And you can join Kamohelo Bombay on the new season of living land every Saturday at 13.30 on SABC2. Brought to you by SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. Seven minutes it is before 9pm. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk. We're under the microscope this evening with the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, Ibrahim Patel. And uh, we're talking about uh, the budget vote speech of uh, the uh, department charged with our industrial trade and uh, other policies uh, that are aimed at getting many uh, people into productive work in the manufacturing sector and uh, building the next wave of industrialists in our society. But before we get to uh, some questions I have on the Black Industrialist Program, Minister. Let's talk about this amendment of the Companies uh, Act. Uh, and uh, I think it's Section 30A of the uh, Companies Act that's uh, being amended here, which is around the kind of information that should be disclosed in annual financial statements. So over the next two months, Ayabonga, uh, uh, we, we're finalizing all of the arrangements that we can then release a document, um, uh, both for public comment and mm. uh, for, for consideration uh, by Cabinet. But essentially, uh, the problem we, we're dealing with is if we want to build an inclusive economy and an inclusive society, if we're all in this together, then we need to, to, to have that sense of greater fairness. And given the enormous um, pay differentials between top and bottom, the, the minimum that is required now is transparency. It's for society to be able to see this, for companies to, to recognize the gaps that exist there, and for us to to consider what additional powers shareholders should have, because remuneration policies are typically developed by boards of companies, and uh, the clamor has been that shareholders are often left out. You will recall uh, the concerns that uh, shareholders expressed uh, at Sassol during the time when the two co-chairpersons uh, were severed, mm. and these uh, quite uh, quite significant severance packages uh, were were disclosed at a mm. time when the company was was really struggling. It was losing money, significant amounts of money. So it's 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 on those two fronts that we will be seeking to to develop some proposals, and uh, the public will have an opportunity to comment on it. Uh, and uh, thereafter, of course, cabinet will consider it, and then it will go to parliament. Mm-hmm. And I guess in that process, really, the idea is to try and unpack, uh, I would understand, Minister, the uh, quanta of top, uh, you know, the quanta of pay received by the top earners in relation either to the middle of the distribution, the median, or even, I guess, uh, you know, uh, low earning categories of workers uh, from an occupational perspective. That is correct. And it's, it's, it's uh, essentially the ratio that we're looking at. And there were a number of different ones. Do we take just the single uh, highest earner and the single lowest earner? Mm. Or do we aggregate it to say the top 5% compared to the bottom 5% so that it smooths it out a little bit and we can see what the, the overall levels are? 
So those are the things that the, the, the negotiations and discussions with social partners are still focusing on, just to get the right ratio mm. clarified. But the idea would be that companies would then take responsibility, that boards would uh, actively consider whether those ratios are appropriate, given the performance of a company, given the, the, uh, the, the deep inequalities in our society, and given the need to build a sense that a company belongs to all. Mm. You can't get people during difficult times to feel that they need to make sacrifices and work together when they feel alienated from the, uh, from the firm that they work in. And so this is an opportunity to build a sense of, uh, of, of um, belonging and a sense that firms matter, that it's in all of our interests that our companies succeed, that they grow, that they export more, that they create more jobs. Mm. And um, to get there, it's, um, uh, it's a long road, many different elements, and we're putting in place some of them. Sure. They'd have to be complemented, of course, um, Ayabonga, with skills development, with investment by companies in mm. research and development. So there's a range of things that need to be done. Sure. But sure. we need to be impatient about getting these things going. Yeah. Mr. Maybe a last one on my end, uh, and uh, it's quite unfortunate we have run out of time. It has to do with what we started to touch on yesterday in the green economy. Um, mm. And if we look at, you know, the renewable energy, um, you know, uh, uh, independent power producer procurement program uh, and the successive waves of that program. And uh, many communities are asking, uh, are any of the components in these large wind turbines that I see in my neighborhood, if I'm in Motherwell, you know, not too far from Kucha? Are any of those made in South Africa? Um, just give us a sense of that, because even when we look at the approvals uh, that come through on the Black Industrialist Program, very few of those are in the clean energy and technology space. Um, and, and what ought we to be doing to really, I guess, respond to that challenge? So the big story is not enough of those components are made in South Africa. And we've got to use... Minister Patel, thank you very much for your time. And uh, uh, South Africans certainly are very expectant of uh, these many big plans, especially the last one because of how much platinum group metals we have in this country. But I uh, want to thank you for your time and uh, uh, have a great evening. Thank you very much. That there was the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, uh, Ibrahim Patel, speaking to us uh, this evening. This is Posapog in Mondozo Bawo. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Kubagalogunangoku, sisaibanga, le economy.